0: on today's show. Well, we look back at another fourth quarter collapse in Detroit for the Hornets.
1: And the trade deadline has come and gone. We'll discuss if the Hornets made the right move not giving up a first round draft pick.
0: For better or for worse, we talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets.
1: You are locked on Locked on Locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day welcome into locked on hornets charlotte hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day no matter what win or lose we are here on this friday i'm doug branson joined by the man the myth the legend david walker back on the show
0: they can't drive us away no matter what happens, no matter how much <laughs> no. they stay the same. Listen. But, hey, you we made it through the trade deadline, buddy.
1: That's right. We made it through the trade deadline. I made it through the trade deadline. I, you know, I had to clutch my chest there at the end. Um, but I'm here. I'm alive. And, listen, this is unconditional love that I have for this basketball team. Is it team. love? Is it, it is love right love. now? It is love. This, is my first, <laughs> okay. this was my first sports love I watched this team on a tiny black-and-white television uh, that was uh, like one of those mini uh, portable TVs that weighed like 100 pounds. Uh, I had it in my room on my bookshelf. So this is an unconditional love. So we're all going to get through this together. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, head over to iTunes, search... Locked on and find podcast on the NFL, the NBA, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Let's start in the Motor City in Detroit, where the Hornets had another big lead in the fourth quarter, only to see it disappear on the road. No, David, this is not a rerun of our recap of the Toronto Raptors game back before the All-Star break. Uh, This one... Very disappointing, but it got off to such a good start. They looked energetic. They looked like, uh, because I think both you and I were a little worried because of what we were hearing out of practice that maybe they would come out sloppy, not ready to go, Um, but Kimba Walker was knocking down shots. He looked dirtier than ever. Frank Kaminsky, fresh off that performance uh, at the Rising Stars Challenge, looked confident. He drilled uh, two Three pointers and the one off the Kimba behind the back uh, corner yeah. three for Frank Kaminsky—they look so good.
0: Yeah, keep going.
1: <laughs> and then <laughs> and then things happened. Uh, no, the fourth quarter happened. I mean, they had an eighteen-point lead, uh, and then and then a fifteen-point lead heading into that fourth quarter. I guess you know. I mean, we can talk about uh, some of the good things that they did throughout. I, guess. I thought. You know, Frank Kaminsky in the first half looked great and the second half started to fade back. Um, You know, but this all comes down to the fact that the bench was not able to sustain offensive production uh, for large portions of this game. And you had to play your starters essentially the entire third quarter. And by that fourth quarter, uh, everyone looked a little gassed and unable to make a shot.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, you add in the overtime period and almost all of the starters, your five starters, play 40 minutes or more. Um, they were all above 38 minutes, I think. So they played a lot of minutes last night. They have to. I mean, I guess they're going to have to uh, for the duration here because, uh, you know, barring signing someone, um, you know, that's just floating out there. They're not going to be any more additions to this team. And this is what they got. So you look at the beginning of that fourth quarter and, you know, <clears throat> it's not even treading They're not treading water, Doug. They're drowning. The, the, the unit is not keeping pace with the game, right? So they're losing ground when that bench, unit you know, goes in there in the fourth quarter. But you can't put it all on them. I mean, yeah, the guys are tired, but there were shots to be made, uh, again, late in the fourth quarter, late down the stretch. And Kimball was the only one uh, to make anything that mattered. He was the reason this game went into overtime at all. Um, but there were some good things. I mean, you mentioned it. They looked like a totally different team or, or a team that we had seen in the first part of this year. The energy level was... Through the roof. Behind the back passes? You know, when's the last time you saw any of those? Uh three point shots going in from Frank early on. So it was a breath of fresh air. And they were it getting really they were getting the see. ball
1: towards the rim, David. I think that was key. And it yes. was something that Clifford had highlighted over the past couple of days, is that the the offense was struggling because this team was struggling to get anything moving towards the basket, and they were doing that. Uh, you even saw Nick Batum, uh, Batum give up; he, MKG. he wasn't doing his or back down thing. I mean, he was going straight to the rim trying to make layups, and uh, it, it resulted in some of the open threes that they were able to knock down early on. It,
0: it was like all of the talk, all of the coaching, all of the, the the themes you know that we had talked about, or that Clifford had talked about during that losing streak right before the All-Star break, they all, you know, suddenly sunk in and they were able to execute it in a way that Clifford's been looking for. And then, I mean, it was like a light switch. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. The difference in that fourth quarter, the offense was was all um, horizontal. There was nothing vertical, like nothing going to the basket anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, Detroit had something to do with that, but it was just a lot of screening, 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 screening shot. Uh, and that didn't work out.
1: Yeah, and you know another thing that I noticed, David, in that first half, we're gonna, I'm going to do one more good thing, and then we'll we'll get to some extensive talk about what happened in the fourth quarter and, and over time. But another good thing that I saw was gang rebounding. They were really doing a great mm-hmm. job of limiting what Andre Drummond could do in this game on the offensive boards. Uh, only one offensive rebound for the Detroit Pistons in that first quarter despite Drummond playing the entire first quarter. And I don't even—I th- don't think he got the offensive rebound. I think it was uh, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who got that offensive rebound. And the Hornets end up going in- into that uh, second quarter up 28-23. So they got off to a really good start, limited the Pistons to three offensive rebounds in the entire first half. But then if you look at the final box score – 10 offensive rebounds for this team. So they could not sustain it. And let me see how many second chance points they ended up with. Yeah, Detroit outscores Charlotte 12-4 to in second chance points, and that doesn't sound like – it's not a giant margin, um, but these games have been so close. You know, the the Toronto Raptors game was so close. And it's these – and we talked about it. It's these margins – a second chance points and fast break points. Detroit beating Charlotte in fast break points twenty seven to nine. And, and bench points.
0: Bench points were well, huge.
1: Yeah, bench points were huge as well. And let's talk. Let's so let's talk about the bench real quick before we go to go to this fourth quarter and overtime session. So they have to play Mike Toby. I mean, they yep. have to. There's no. There's no real choice that they have. Um, that he played, he gets uh, how many minutes in this one? He gets uh, 13 minutes, but he's he's filler. I mean, he's Obatronic. just a body. He's just body out there because um, he he's he doesn't know where to be. He often got in the way of several pick and rolls. Um, defensively, he's normally outmatched physically. And you know, I mean, he's giving he's giving good energy. But you can give all the good energy in the world, you can have all the effort in the world, but if you don't know where to be. Then you're doing. He's doing more harm than
0: good. He's doing. I mean, honestly, he's doing the best he can. Right? Oh no, no, that, got, that's I mean, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. He's
1: doing the best he can. But that's the situation that the Hornets right. are in. That's why he only yeah. plays 13 minutes
0: because the they have he no one else. A little bit of energy. I don't know it's 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 horrible. Plumlee and Zeller. Uh, the situation is just. It's hard to overcome. It, they can't overcome it. I mean, let, let's be honest. They're without Zeller, they're what up to two and sixteen. Yeah, They make 2-16. and 16. So, I mean, they're going on a quarter of the season right now without Zeller.
1: And when you have to play Mike Toby and you have to play Brian Roberts because of the Ramon Sessions injury, then yeah. it's especially important that the bench players that you have normally been relying on, like Jeremy Lamb and Marco Bellinelli, that they play their absolute best. And in this game... I didn't think they did that. I thought Marco missed several open shots that he should have made and took several shots that maybe he should not have taken. And then I want to highlight the first few minutes of this fourth quarter. I have no idea uh, what Jeremy Lamb was doing. First of all, he couldn't get around. He he got a matchup with Aaron Baines off a switch, couldn't get around him. He dribbled, so he, he, he tries to drive Baines. Baines does a good job of guarding him. Lamb dribbles underneath uh, the rim and goes back out to the three-point line where Baines is closely following, and then he decides to launch a a contested three-pointer that misses. Not a great offensive possession. Then on the next defensive possession, he missed an easy rotation. Easy rotation. Should have made it. And uh, then he picked up his fifth foul.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The fouls are the weird part. I mean,
1: and he's been racking maybe up the fouls. that affected him,
0: but like I don't know. He's got to be scoring the ball at this point in the, in the season, especially like you mentioned with nobody else coming off the bench. He and Marco have to score. Um, yeah, so I don't know if the fouls are affecting him, but he's got to snap out of it.
1: And on all this to say that this game made one thing pretty clear: the starters have to play better than five points than the other team at all times for this team to have a shot. I mean, yeah. you. Well, and the thing is they, they go into the fourth quarter with a 15 point lead. They went into the uh, game against Toronto with a 17 point lead. That was the last game. That was the last game they played. They went into the fourth <clears throat> quarter with a 17 point lead wasn't enough. So what is enough? What will be enough?
0: It doesn't feel like anything will be at this point. And then this one, they were even able to lose the lead and then regain it, you know, by a slim margin, about like, I don't know, four four or five points there, um, and just could not stop KCP. And I guess we can talk about that. Uh, You know, that guy was on fire. Nick Batum was charged with stopping him, and he he did not give him any resistance whatsoever, and especially on some of those last threes, was either late or just, you know, not a factor. I mean, look, KCP was on fire. I don't know if... Getting there would have made a difference, but um, there was just some breakdowns, especially on the drive. I mean, that's the one I think that that kills you, don't you think, Doug? The, the drive, the, the dunk to cut it to what did that? What did the dunk cut it to?
1: Well, cut it to one. Except
0: so to one, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, the, I can break down this series of unfortunate events for Nick Batum and Contavius <sighs> Caldwell Pope. First of all, Pope finishes the game, eleven of twenty-five from the field, seven of fifteen from beyond the arc. He got it heated up early and and then came on late as well. He finishes the game with 33 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists. Uh, so, yeah, 217 to go. Um, KCP gets a 3-point shot off a pin down to a direct handoff. Great play. Great play design by Stan Van Gundy in Detroit yeah. to get him open. Batum was late, but there also wasn't any help. Uh, but Batum just not aggressive enough coming around that uh, direct handoff, and uh, he knocks down the 3. That cuts it to 1. Then 146 left to go in the in the regulation. He gets uh, another three point shot off of a direct handoff. I thought this one was well defended. Nick Batum actually he did in this direct handoff what he should have done in the previous direct handoff. But as you said, Caldwell Pope by this time was lit up. He was ready to go, yeah. ready to knock down shots. And then thirty four seconds to go. That was when the and it's like the entire Pistons team knew that this was KCP's game. This was all him. He's been playing so well as of late. I mean, he had to be a target coming into this game because of how well he was playing. And they completely isoed for him. Left him. Uh, everyone went to the baseline. I, I thought. I thought a few of the Detroit Pistons players went into the locker room and had a snack. I mean, that's how isolated. <laughs> kcp was and he just took uh took batum off the dribble and wouldn't got it um and then uh finally 18 seconds to go and it's um inbounds play for detroit and game is on the line the offense hasn't been playing well you must have a defensive stop and nick batum decides to try to shoot the gap and by the way Let's not set that up as some kind of excuse like, oh, well, you know, he took a gamble and it didn't pay off. No. The game is on the line. You don't need to gamble. You don't need to gamble. There was no need to gamble. And he tries to shoot the gap, and then KCP, easy, open three-point shot. And look, this Detroit Pistons team, they hit their open shots. That was the difference in the game. The Hornets did not hit their open shots, and Detroit did, and that's why they won this game. And yeah, just um the, the defense from Nick Batum has to be better, especially considering, you know, he was one of seven from beyond the arc. Yeah. And, and listen, if you look at like... it, if you look at his score, look, eighteen points, six rebounds, three assists, only two turnovers, he did some really, really good things and hit some big shots and, and, and made some really good plays in this game. But you have to have a complete game. Didn't do it.
0: Yeah, it's the decision making across the board to me, Doug, and and you know, um, the shots are—he's starting to shoot more of the shots. He's st- now he's airballing. <laughs> he left that shot so short there in the fourth quarter last night that you think? Oh he's, yeah, the oh, you caught, mean the,
1: the one in overtime, one thirty left yeah. to go? He, yeah, he airballed it, and it was off a perfect rhythm catch yeah, and shoot it was opportunity. A,
0: it was that's a that's a shot that that's he his shot. Has, that's his shot. Yeah, so yeah. you can't ask for anything more. I mean. You have to wonder if he's – it's hard to say he's tired. I mean, they just had the all-star break, right? And a lot of those plays were out of timeouts, and he's getting toasted on defense. So, you know, does he have some nagging injuries? I don't know. Who knows? But the bottom line is he is – the decision-making, especially, like you mentioned, the gambling on defense, it does not – it makes no sense. It reminds me of – I think it was the Nets game where he literally almost fouled a three-point shooter when they are up three. Um, on the last play of the game, or, you know, when, what was that scenario? You know what I'm talking about? It was at home. It was the only game they've won in like a year, so we should be able to recall it. <laughs> Against but Brooklyn? He, yeah. Yeah. It was unnecessary. Um, and that's, you know, some of his passes are as well. I don't want to pile on Nick Batum because, I'm like, sorry.
1: I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to ignore you, David. I was trying to, um, I was looking at Eric Collins' soundbites to play for when we talk about how awesome Kimball Walker is in a second.
0: <laughs> okay. Yes. Let's let's get to that. But real quick. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Nick. Uh, you know. I, I don't know. It's. You. It's. He is a microcosm of this team, right? Because you you look at his stats and you're like, that's good. He's is nearly a triple double double every night. He's doing some good things out there. And and then you go back to some of the key plays and they're just not adding up. And and they're head scratchers. I mean, and you can't. What Doug? What's the option? <laughs> not have him out there.
1: No, they, yeah, they wouldn't they, they wouldn't have a shot. I mean, that's that's right. the part that you know, he he yes, he missed those big plays, you know, missed some shots, you know, he turns the ball over sometimes and that, and that was what you were referencing and then um, you know, has has issues with defense, but uh, he he still makes incredibly tough shots. He still makes amazing I mean, you know, through the first 3 quarters uh, was making some great passes setting mm-hmm. up guys set up MKG on a on a great play underneath the basket so yeah he does those things that you need um but luckily the Hornets were able to stay in this game because Kimball Walker was absolutely outstanding. What a I mean just a gutsy performance. The guts of a cat burglar. I know. Um I mean, he was the definition of of Captain Courageous. Captain Courageous. Oh man. All right, there you go. It, I hit them. I hit them. Um so <laughs> Let me me break this down, too, uh, like I did the Batum thing. I'm going to give equal time to bad things and good things. So 158 left in the game, 93-92. They set Frank Kaminsky up for a post-up opportunity, but he gets bodied up and and basically sent back by uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope and uh, shoots the ball out to Kimba. Four seconds left on the shot clock. He has to shoot it, and he buries it right in John Lewer's face. And then 46 left to go. Kimba gets uh, Lure again on a switch and hits about the toughest long two-point shot that you're going to see in the NBA. Um, Just absolutely outstanding shot-making ability by Kimba Walker. And then 23 seconds left to go in the game. It's 98-97 Hornets. uh, They need to extend the lead to try, try to close this team out, try to get the Pistons out of the way. Kimba Walker pick and roll with Frank Kaminsky. The Pistons finally decide not to blitz uh, Kimba Walker in this situation, and Kimba makes them pay. He hits uh, Ish Smith. Poor Ish Smith. He's just been the victim of Kimba Walker all season. He hits uh, Ish with a devastating step back. Um, uh, yeah, and knocks down the two-point shot to put him up 100-97, and, of course, that would be followed up by KCP's three to send it into overtime. But, man, Kimba Walker just coming out like an all-star. He finishes the game 11 of 19 from the field, Three of six from beyond the arc. 34 points, seven rebounds, six assists, two steals, zero turnovers. Huge. And then, David, you know when I knew this game was over, honestly? It wasn't uh, It wasn't an overtime. I, I realized it before then. I, I mean, by <laughs> overtime, I knew they weren't going to be able to make a shot to yeah. win the game. But I realized it. Let's see. My key moment for the game you remember that Kimball Walker offensive rebound where he absolutely just jumped everyone out of the building and tapped the ball back, and yeah. had no business getting that rebound. It was uh, six thirty left in the fourth quarter, and then the ball rotates to Marvin Williams, who misses the three point shot badly, and then mm-hmm. Detroit takes it back down off that miss three for a, a bucket in transition. That's yeah. when I knew because Kimball, I knew I've seen the I've seen this script before. the The Hornets were the the lead was. Um, Evaporating, Kimba Walker was doing absolutely everything he could, and then you just saw miss shot after miss shot. I Couldn't tweeted anything. I tweeted the stat: Hornets not named Kemba Walker go four of twenty-two in the fourth quarter and overtime. O of eight from beyond the arc for everyone else except for Kemba, and then the bench was O of six in that fourth quarter. Just, I mean, it's not impossible to win games like that, but it's pretty damn hard.
0: It is when you give up thirty points to the other team too on the road uh in the fourth quarter. They go they were outscored thirty to fifteen in that fourth quarter. Uh let's see here. What was it forty four to twenty-three? Yeah, I can listen to hey,
1: Contavious played forty two minutes as well, had no problem yeah. hitting shots.
0: Right, I know. And so you mentioned the bench. 0 for six, uh 0 for seven from three last night. A, a grand total of fourteen points off the bench and were outscored scored thirty nine to fourteen uh by the pistons, so uh, I just that's not gonna change I don't know how that's gonna change It's just they don't have anything else to 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 come back with until they can maybe shift Frank back to the bench but you know he's been playing better as a starter, so it's like can he continue that if Cody Zeller ever comes back i mean uh, i I don't know they're 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 continuing to search for answers now Doug, and you look at these games, and it's hard to explain. You know, it's hard to explain these things. 18-point leads, 15-point leads in the fourth quarter—it's just not something you see happen on a consistent basis. And you could see the snowball coming again. I mean, it just they, they, they could not stop it, even when the starters got in there. You mentioned it—if you weren't named Kimball Walker, you could not buy a bucket. Um, MKG's got to hit those drives late, like he hits them early. Uh, Nick Batum has got to hit something, some of those uh back downs, something else to get going, and uh, they've got to figure out a way to to help him because they are just blitzing him. They are they are forcing him to give up the ball. They're making him pass, you know, over two guys, and it's shaking up everything on offense and no one else is picking up the slack.
1: Hornets lose this one in Detroit, one fourteen to one oh eight. They drop to twenty-four and thirty-three and they now Do not own and do not have a chance to own a tiebreaker against the Detroit Pistons in this uh, playoff race that is suddenly um, leaving uh, this Hornets team behind. Uh, Going to get to a few. Let me get to a few tweets here. Let me get to a few tweets and then I'll I'll get right back to you because I don't want to forget to shout out our listeners. McLoyd saying uh, on Twitter, "I hope tomorrow's pod will note that Clifford drew up an out of bounds play for Frank, and he nailed the three. It was amazing. That was a great thing. It happened. Uh, what two twenty left? Uh, or yeah, two twenty left in the second quarter. And uh, again, just Frank Kaminsky playing well, knocking down shots in the first half. But then he goes two of seven from the field in the second half, and and no one could really hit a bucket when they absolutely needed it." Uh, Mitch on Twitter after the game saying, "Can I get a time machine and show this hey, game? Mitch. Show this game to Jeremy Lin so he no, so he knows how much the Hornets needed him. This team has no cojones. Do I have the? Let me see. I should have queued up the Steph. Do I have the Steph thing where she says cojones?
0: Yeah, that's some serious cojones. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, I mean it, it's certainly easy to say that at, at this point. I mean they played." so uh what's what's really interesting doug i thought for a while that all the trade talks on the detroit side maybe had some effect i mean you look at it, reggie jackson only played 19 minutes drummond didn't play in the fourth only played 25 minutes you mentioned caldwell Pope, 42 minutes lure 41 minutes yeah weird. Um, totally weird ish ish smith 33 off the bench tobias harris 25 points definitely affected reggie jackson one of six. Oh yeah yeah for sure um uh, and what the hell was I going to say? Before? <laughs> oh, oh, Cody Zeller, right? So they're 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 going on a quarter of the season without him. I mean, they'd still be in the playoffs if he had if he had been healthy, right? I mean, that's something I think that you can say for sure. I don't know. Can you I? don't know three games? You don't think he makes up three games? You think Zeller
1: is at practice helping them knock down jump shots?
0: Oh, I mean, I <laughs> no, think I'm he saying, like. This I think is... he gets some four wins. Like, I look, think he gets some four wins.
1: Well, here here's what I'll say is that if Cody Zeller were in the lineup, they they would not have to they'd have Frank Kaminsky on the bench. Yes. And and if Frank Kaminsky was delivering some scoring from the bench, then maybe they don't have to play the entire third quarter. And the the starters could could be a little fresher in the fourth quarter. So maybe just sort of and of course Cody Zeller does a lot of amazing things for this team that we've been over time after time. But this game was lost because I mean they they were in position to win this game handily. Yeah. yeah. Handily and couldn't do it. And that's not Cody Zeller. That's not Cody Zeller. Uh and, no, and no, no, Cody no, no, Zeller no. would have I mean, affected some of these other games, but yes, this game and the Toronto saying, yeah. game too. I mean they 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 be, they almost beat a a great Toronto team by more than 10 points couldn't do it.
0: Well, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying more for the big picture, not so much examining one game in particular, but when you're assessing this team, right, from a season perspective, which I think it's accurate to do right now, because the like season is, is 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 slipping away faster and faster. But I think that's what you have to look at. If he's healthy, it makes a difference. But regardless, they're in most of these games, if not all of these games. And I mean, what what can you do? I mean, what what else can you do besides just play Kimball Walker till he till he runs himself into the ground?
1: Uh, Okay. Uh, So one more tweet here from Philip. Out of all the blown fourth quarter leads by the Hornets this year, tonight might be the worst. It's almost to the level of performance art. And this is not a one-night show, folks. This has been uh, a recurring theme and – uh, they absolutely have to figure something out. Have to get something figured out with, and because this is a full team effort, by the way. I mean, it's not one guy yes. missing shots. It was Batum. Um, it was Frank Kaminsky. It was Marvin Williams. Uh, and as you said, MKG missed a few at the rim. Uh, even though, again, you look at his stat sheet: twelve points, fourteen rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks. And you go, "Hey, what more could he have done?" Um, but it's out. but it's playmaking. Yeah, it's finishing yep. games, finishing plays. Steve Clifford mentioned that after the game last night as well. Uh, just not happening for the Hornets, who fall to six and eight on the road when taking a lead into the fourth quarter. Um, by That's the way, delightful. by the way, the next five games are on the road.
0: <laughs> just a reminder. Just a reminder, uh, Doug. One last thing. Yep. When watching KCP last night, it just highlights for me again the lack of another shot maker on this team, like a guy that just shoots the daggers, right? Um, it, you have Kimba Walker, but they've got to add somebody else. They've, they've got to add, they cannot go through another offseason season without addressing this need. In my opinion, they've got to find someone else who just has no conscience and who can get hot and light things up. They don't, that guy is not Marco Bellinelli. It's not Jeremy lamb. Apparently it's not going to be Nick Batum either. So in my opinion, that's, that's right up there Was number one need of this team in the offseason. season. They didn't address it last year. They've got to address it this year if they want to make any changes.
1: Well, that perfectly transitions us into our next question. David, the trade deadline has come and gone, and the Hornets were rumored to be in discussions for a few players, including a a shot maker, Lou Williams, who had an amazing game last night for his new team, the Houston Rockets, 27 points in 25 minutes and seven three-point shots. But the Hornets were unable or unwilling to make a deal for Lou Williams, or they were also rumored to be in discussions for Bojan Bogdanovich. Either way, For the most part, this is the roster they will march forward with. Are you happy that they stood pat and did not give up a first-round draft pick just in the context of this season?
0: Um, I was pretty happy yesterday just with all the stuff (laughs) flying around. And then yeah. I was pretty Sports happy. Sports are weird. Things
1: can change uh, yeah. moment to moment, day to day, your feelings was, on, on scenarios.
0: I was fine with it uh, through the thir- first three quarters as well. So I felt good about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be but to be honest, though, like I said, if, if Zeller is not going to come back, if it's not going to make a difference... On this team this year, I'm I'm actually I think okay Zeller's, with it.
1: Yeah, I think Zeller's probably going to come back. Uh, yes, I think he's he doubtful for this game, but yeah, I mean with the, with the injury concerns, that's the point I made uh, when I was on ESPN Radio that if the front office and the the rest of the staff got together and said, "Look, uh, this we we there was really no option, no great option to go out there and right. acquire a player that would help their front court issue." So the best you could do was find somebody. That could help you outscore the other team and address that issue. Uh, that could was, help.
0: That was a small group, though, right? It was really Lou and maybe PJ Tucker would have been interesting.
1: Yeah, but they don't. You know, they didn't. They don't have a. They didn't have a second round draft pick in this next draft to to uh, trade. So it was really right. first round draft pick this season or bust. And and a lot of teams. This is a. This is a big draft coming up, and so a lot of teams, I guess, maybe maybe a lot of teams weren't willing to listen to offers for, uh, you know, 2018 picks and 2019 picks. You know, there's a uh, need-to-win-now kind of mentality for some of these teams that were uh, dealing on the trade market, so... Um, but you're still you're still okay with them not giving up that I'm, first round I'm draft pick.
0: I'm okay with it. I mean, like I said, I think healthy and if Zeller even comes back sooner rather than later, maybe they can make a late run. So I mean, I think that was what this team was built for anyway. They've got to have some success in the draft, and they can't do that by keeping giving away these picks. You mentioned they don't have a second-round pick, so to not have a pick at all in this draft, well, they be they loaded. will
1: probably. The thing is, they'll probably have this second-round pick because it's the one that they oh, dealt, right. and it was like heavily protected. So I think right. as long as they don't finish in the top five of the league, and I think it's pretty safe to say they're not going to do that, if not mathematically, you know, impossible. Um. So they they will have it. They just didn't have it to deal because they've already technically
0: heavily dealt heavily it. protected second round picks are are really in vogue right now. <laughs> They're all the rage. Like
1: the new hip thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, but Doug, I mean, even I'm, I'm still fine with it. I mean, give me talk to me next week when they, you know, if they blow another or four or five fourth quarter leads, but I'm fine with it. I guess right now it would have been nice to add someone, but I just this season has the feeling of one that is not going in the right direction, and I don't know that even adding a Lou Williams would have changed things to that degree where it would have been just turned everything around.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of these issues that we're seeing with shot making, it's, you know, maybe apart from Marvin, are are almost inexplicable. You can't, you can't pin it on injuries, you can't pin it on age. So if there is, I'd like to end this show, David, if you don't mind, with a little silver lining, it's that they're, there will be, as far as we know, a next season, and there will be an off season where they can make some adjustments. And they do have a core of players that have shown in the past the ability to knock down shots and make big plays in the fourth quarter. They just haven't been able to do it this season. And I know that that's little solace. I know that uh, I, I've seen. Listen, I, I read all of the tweets. I know the disappointment. I understand the anger. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, there's there's still a lot of basketball left to. I just love basketball. You know, I, I love uh, watching basketball, and regardless of what happens this season, I think uh, uh, you're, you you know, I think at least I'm comforted by the fact that they do have uh, a decent core moving forward, yeah. and they and, can and... make some adjustments in the offseason.
0: And Doug, you mentioned just because they didn't trade this pick now, it doesn't mean that it can't be in some sort it's of going deal. I think it's going to be
1: more valuable, yeah. especially look, especially if Zeller spends some more time out, and you know Miles Plumley's at least two weeks away, and right. if they continue to miss shots like this, and, and end up with you know a lottery pick, you know in that ten to uh, ten to five range. Then all of a sudden that that draft pick becomes extremely valuable and then you've got questions of do you use the draft pick or do you you know pull another Marco Bellinelli and try to go out and find a veteran uh, veteran player who can knock down shots immediately to try to get this team into win now position they're going to have they're, they're going to probably be if they do end up in the lottery they will probably be the most talented team in the lottery
0: so yeah, there's yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I understand the frustration. You want it. You want to. You want a quick fix and, and you guys want to see some addition come in. Um, if they were in the wizard position or something like that, you know, a team that could really make a move um, and just needed to, one or two pieces away, then I think you'll be more disappointed. But, you know, um, well, I think there, and there are
1: some questions. I think there are some serious questions around that Washington Wizards organization about making the move that they did. And and getting Boyan for for what they gave up, so
0: that, well, yeah. So that's why you look at some of the moves like that, and you're like, man, I don't know if uh, giving up that first or, and some of those moves are worth it. Yeah, it's a good point, but uh, yeah, I think we might just ride this out, this one out together, guys. Well, just, and uh, hold on tight.
1: Yeah, it's. I, I think it's. Uh, we've got a lot of basketball left to play. Should be a good time. We're going to be back next week to talk much more about this, and we might start weaving some draft talk in. It might. It might be time. I don't <laughs> know. We'll, we'll. We'll see what happens. So uh, thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Next Hornets game is tomorrow at five uh, o'clock p.m. So make sure. It's one of those weird West Coast times uh, for tip uh, in Sacramento on NBA TV for those folks that are outside the viewing area. Shoot early us your Hornets. Tip. Yeah, early tip. Mm. Shoot mm. us your Hornets questions and thoughts. Not a talented Sacramento team. We're not doing a full preview here, but that's not a talented Sacramento team. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to BuzzBuzz at com. We're back again next week with much more. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way, our new website, lockedonhornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.